I think we have a third host for tonight. She keeps poking me. She has thoughts. She has claws. Thank you for joining the Escape With Me book club. Escape with me, Sam Reiner. And me, Hannah Rossell. Into our most recent read. Come with us as we evade reality and go into detail about a new book. We'll be covering the book from beginning to end, so there will be spoilers. Today we're going to Egypt. Originally published on November 1st, 1937 in the UK and the next year in the US, Death on the Nile is the 18th Hercule Poirot mystery. This book has been adapted to radio, TV, film, graphic novel, and video game, with another movie adaptation coming this February. The famous detective decides to take a trip up the Nile and soon finds himself wrapped up in another case. A love triangle soon turns deadly, and with three murders to solve, Perot must also find time to catch a jewel thief and a serial killer. Will he bring the criminals to justice, or will he falter under the desert's intense heat? Alright, so kind of a background. So this is my first time reading this book, but I'm pretty sure this is your first Agatha Christie book. Yes. My mom read Agatha Christie, if that counts. I did see Murder on the Orient Express, but that's a movie, not the book. Yeah, it's basically the book, but that's why I'm really excited about this new movie, because it's the same director and it's the same actor who played Perot. All I'm worried because it seems like they took out some of the main-ish characters. There's so many characters in this book, though. I think they took out the Allertons and that whole little thing. I don't want to spoil anything. We'll see, because... They just might not have made it to the movie posters. Mm-hmm. Or they might end up giving it to another character. They've compressed characters. I could see that happening. Oh, I didn't think about that. Because there are a lot of characters in this book. Oh my, I know. I lost track of them. She has a habit of having a lot of suspects, but this was a lot. This was a lot. How did she not get them mixed up? It's like a parent with a ton of kids. And how many times do you call the one kid 10 different names before you get to theirs? How did she not do that? Yeah, because all I can think of that also had a lot of suspects. Hercule Poirot's Christmas and all these people come to this one dude, the rich uncle. He gets killed before the will can be changed. And he has three sons and two of the sons have wives and then there's a family friend and then there's a niece that has come out of nowhere that was a lot of suspects but you could keep track because there was this family tree going on but this sounds like knives out yes knives out they took a lot of inspiration from agatha christie yes but there's so many characters i would forget about them until she mentioned them and i was like oh yeah the only reason i remembered all of them is because i am used to murder mysteries and my husband was the same way. I handed it to him and I was like, hey, you should start reading some Agatha Christie stuff. We can bond over this because she's really good. So this was his second Agatha Christie book. I made him read And Then There Was None, which is my normal gateway book, which I would highly recommend for you. It doesn't have any of the detectives, but it's just a solid set in itself mystery. And it's very high grade, typical Agatha Christie fare. Okay. I feel a little bit bad because this was a weird one to start you with. As I was reading. I mean, it was good. It's fine. It was good. I liked it. It made my psychologist brain happy. And by happy, I mean, I was very worried about a lot of these characters. (laughs) See, I was kind of the opposite. (laughs) I was like, die, somebody die already. Murder. Okay, I was very impatient. I was like, okay, when are they gonna die? Because I don't even know. I had my guess of who was gonna die. But then I was like, when does it happen? James was the same way. He was like, I didn't know who was gonna die. But I was like, I knew. It was the second chapter. And Lynette says, I don't have an enemy in the world. And I was like, and you're it. Yeah, that's what I was like. Do you, girl? You sure? You're it. It's you. I know it. Yeah. Then it took like half a book to get there. Anyway, let's go. Ahead. Let's get this out of the way. Age level is definitely adult. Um, It's rather clean. Like there's not a lot of sex or stuff, but there's a lot of adult plot lines and definitely content warning, death, if that hasn't been obvious. (laughs) She's not shy about blood. She's like, nope, this exists. And she does have some graphic descriptions and you actively see someone get murdered. So that happens, which doesn't normally happen. (laughs) So that was a lot. I will say I'm typically watching stuff very, very squeamish. This didn't bother me. Yeah. So it's not to that level of, okay, I need a break. Yeah, but if you're a person who's like, a drop of blood, I'm out. This is not for you. Yeah. There is suicide in the book, which we 
get to witness also, sort of. Yeah, I feel like she was going through a rough time when she wrote this. Agatha girl, are you okay? She wanted Hercule to go on a vacation and she wanted us to go with him. That was my husband's comment. He was like, the first half of this book is Hercule's vacation to Egypt. Has she been to Egypt? Does she really want to go? That's what I thought. I was like, is this a recent trip? It does. It was so detailed and it also felt like she was a travel agent. Like, let's go to Egypt. If I had read just the first part up until the death, I would be like, Egypt doesn't sound bad. Yeah, I very much want to go one day. So this whole trip sounded right up my alley. Oh yeah. But it really did feel like that stereotypical you see in movies. The writer who goes on a vacation so she can write about the vacation in her book. They travel to Italy so they can discuss olive oil and stuff like that. It really felt like that. Maybe she had recently gone to Egypt. Either that or she had recently read a book. And she's like, hmm interesting. Okay, so judge a book by its cover. I don't know what the Kindle cover looks like, because I have been slowly collecting, I'm pretty sure it's like the 2013 reprint covers, and they're this really cool chill style, very minimalist, and so I've been slowly collecting all of those, and so I had no idea (laughs) what this book was going to be about. Hercule's going to go to Egypt, someone's going to die, he's going to figure it out. That's all I knew. That is not what mine looked like. (laughs) I feel like the cover of mine, I just said it to you. It was very misleading because there's pyramids and a sphinx and I was like, did they go to the pyramids? I don't think they went to the sphinx. Did you guys even go there? Ooh, that's a movie poster. I think that's what they printed for the movie tie-in. I kind of really like it. As inaccurate as it kind of is. Is that death on the Nile or is that death in the desert? Death in Egypt. They don't go to the Sphinx. Yeah, your cover makes more sense. This isn't Death on the Nile. Just somewhere, there's some sand. We're on Tatooine now. Okay, I'm torn. Because a part of me is like, what? But really appreciates this as a movie poster. The marketer in me is gonna like geek out about this for a little bit. It's a very good movie poster, but I was a little disappointed we didn't get to go to the pyramids. He's also holding a gun, which I don't actually think in the books I've read, I don't think I've ever read him having one. But maybe that's to symbolize the murder weapon. I was about to point that out. That's a really cool cover though. That has nothing to do with the Nile, but yeah, that's a really cool cover. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a movie tie-in book cover now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it says at the top, but now a major motion picture. See, and mine says at the bottom, soon. Ooh. Soon to be a major motion picture, but it makes sense because the Kindle can refresh. So let's kind of get into it. Oh boy, I have thoughts. It really, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, and I'm not even kidding. The first half, a hundred and 50 pages out of 333. Half of this book is Hercule's wonderful vacation. I know. I was really glad he got a vacation, but I was also wondering why you told me to read a murder mystery with no murder. I did not know this. I'm glad our overworked detective is getting a break. I know he really needed it from Murder on the Orient Express. That was real stressful and everything. But that was also like eight books ago. Yeah, but in the movie verse, they happen back to back. True. Because at the end of Murder on the Orient Express, they're like, like, hey, you're needed in the Nile. Oh, does it? They do. I thought that was cool. I was like, oh, that's fun. That's really cool. Okay. I just want to know why they picked this one. Oh my gosh. Because Murder on Orient Express makes so much sense. But of all 40 of them, they're like, death on the Nile. That's the one. And my husband thinks it's because exotic location. Yeah, you got the Orient Express, you got the Nile. Yeah. And there's a lot of chances, really beautiful, glamorous shots, which is something this director really liked. Oh yeah. But it looks really good, so that's okay. It's not at the expense of the book. Yeah, and clearly they've picked it well in advance if they had to tie it into the last movie, so it wasn't just like, hmm, we should go to Egypt next. Yeah, and it's been so long. It's been delayed, I think, twice now because of COVID. Jeez. But reading the book for 150 pages, I did not understand why they picked this book. Yeah. And once we actually got into the meat of it, it was good. Holy crap. It was so much. So much on so little pages. I had so many dreams about Egypt after reading this book. I just was in Egypt doing totally unrelated stuff, but I was there. And as a amateur Egyptologist, not a complaint. It made me really want to go do something like this. Go up the Nile and go to all these temples in nearby towns and things. Right. Also, Loki had this really bad flashback when at one point Hercule goes into the town and is talking about being bombarded by salespeople and all of these other people 
people and beggars and things. Yeah. That was some flashbacks. Any tourist spot, any like major tourist spot. Oh yeah, they know. I mean, it's like Times Square in New York. They know who those tourists are. Oh yeah. They'll find you. Just don't make eye contact. One day I can tell you the story about the time my husband bought fake Ray-Bans. <laughs> oh, James. He figured it was, I mean, they were really good for what they were, but he paid like 10 euros for it. I'm like, you probably could have gotten them for five. Yeah, haggle. He hates haggling. Yeah, aggressive. I did it a lot for us, but so that was honest. That was real. I felt that. So eventually, after this fun vacation and a lot of buildup, a lot of buildup. Oh my gosh. So much buildup. Three separate conversations with Jackie <laughs> building up. I know. Although I did find a quote from the first half interesting, the one who loves and one who lets himself be loved. I did like that. I thought that was cool. I was like, ooh. It kind of applies even with the twist. It does. But eventually, this love triangle that's been building up because Jackie is this girl who's kind of down on her luck. Her family was rich, but then something happened and they lost all their money. Yeah, I think the stock market crashed, so. Woo. She should barely has anything in the world, but she has this fiance that she's obsessed with. And Lynette is this fabulously rich woman who is beautiful and young and can do whatever she wants. And Jackie's like, hey, Lynette, please give my fiance a job so we can get married. And then plot twist. <laughs> Later, I think it's Hercules reading a newspaper or something happens. And it announces the marriage of Lynette to the fiance who is named Simon. Right. Simon Doyle. I started this book and I was like, I really like Lynette. <laughs> and my husband is like, that's not going to last. I kind of felt bad for her after we got everything resolved because she kind of did it to herself, but also not to victim blame. I do feel a little bit bad. She didn't have to go take her supposed best friend's fiance. I think I'd be a little pissed too. I feel like the consequence didn't fit the crime. Yeah. But up until this point, Lynette has been all sorts of things, mainly a douchebag. Very, very rich. Yes. She's been a rich girl who gets whatever she wants without caring. And cannot contemplate not getting what she wants. Yeah. Isn't that mentioned at one point that she just gets anything she wants? All the time. It's mentioned all the time. For 150 pages, we are reminded. Just about how pretty she is. And it's very telling that Lynette is mad at Perot for even mentioning the fact that she might feel guilty for stealing her ex-best friend's fiance. That's very telling. She reminds me of a sorority girl. Like the stereotypical sorority girl. But more than that. Yeah. Because she's so rich and so wealthy and she didn't even have to marry anybody which is a huge deal in 1920s. Yeah. And she just chose this one. And Simon has no money or circumstance. She just wanted him and she pursued him heavily. She wanted him because someone else had him. Yeah. And Perot makes a King David reference where it's like, you know, the rich farmer that stole the one sheep from the poor far oh yeah yeah that a thousand times over and so in some ways Lynette's actions led to this but the punishment does not fit the crime Jackie and Simon escalated it yeah exactly by being greedy so for someone who said they're too proud to accept help Jackie's a two-faced <gasps> who's greedy yeah which we will get there so she dies Jackie and Simon could not have done it because Jackie finally after saying she's going to shoot him for forever. Oh my gosh. Shoot Simon in the leg and there's witnesses and all of this stuff happens so they couldn't have done it. No, no, no. Poor Cornelia. I felt bad for her. Poor girl. Yeah. So Perot has to look at everybody else on the boat. You got some dirt. We have the maid who gets brought up really quick who's suspicious but turns out was a little suspicious. She was a little suspicious. Uh, I think, sorry. Because Lynette pearl necklace gets stolen in all of this and so they're like, oh, I think the maid might have done it. And she did not do that. No. But she does do other things later where it's like, ooh. You could have lived. This is a, a book about the <laughs> sins of pride and the sins of greed, specifically. Yeah, it really is. Then we have this dodgy financial advisor for Lynette, and he gets introduced. He and his partner are like, oh crap, she got married. I better rush off and pretend like I don't know they're married and try to get them to sign things. Yeah, and then Lynette's like, well, actually, I read everything. So. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, I don't want you to sign paperwork. The two you signed is all we know. Everyone can see through that, bro. Yeah. And then Simon 
in his pride and greed and his dumb is like I signed whatever's put in front of me I don't care people aren't trying to con you and I'm like they probably haven't tried to con you before because you didn't have anything because you're poor Simon sorry the business major on me died I understand read your contracts please don't do things without a contract that's my number one pet peeve because way too many people do that read it right even my parents put people in our family under contract sometime from what I remember like if I loan out large sums of money even if it's family member they're like we're writing it down contract it protects both parties and it has usually a list of if something happens what to do is just better for everybody so he's suspicious and then you have Lynette's lawyer's nephew fan thrip yeah I was really having to think about that he's suspicious because the lawyer's like I just got this letter from Lynette that Pennington's down there with him I think that's suspicious but I can't go but you can go yeah I will say reading that part happened it took a second for me to realize that was two different scenes and I was like oh this makes a lot more sense and I didn't realize it was two different things until the end of the book and I was like this makes so much more sense now yeah okay Agatha Christie-isms if she's in a chapter and feels like having a jump she'll just do it she will put a roman numeral yeah i noticed that that was very helpful i just guess i missed the roman numeral for some reason and just was thoroughly confused Yeah, one was happening in America, and then several days later, the other is happening in Britain. Yeah. Because I kept confusing it, and I kept thinking Fanthrop was the American. Reverse that. Yeah. So he's kind of suspicious, except when I was talking to my husband about my theories, he couldn't remember who Fanthrop was. And so I was like, okay, so he's not that suspicious. <laughs> so I never really suspected him. <laughs> A little bit ruined by my husband. But he is kind of shady in that he doesn't seem to act on what he's supposed to be doing. He never tries to ingratiate himself with Lynette. Yeah. Is he just observing and he's like, as long as <gasps> doesn't go down and then she dies and he goes, <gasps> it went down. Finger squash, she didn't sign anything. Right. See, and if he wasn't suspicious, I feel like the first thing out of his mouth when they're interviewing him, he's like, listen, I am the nephew of the lawyer. Yeah, everyone's being so secretive. They're like, I can't tell you. She's literally, dead. they're gonna find out anyway. If you were innocent, you could just be volunteering information. Was the Fifth Amendment a thing then? Would it even apply? See, like... No. Also, they're British. I mean, they have their version. I don't know what it is, but... Also, they're in Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Get Interpol involved? I don't know, man. They didn't get anybody involved, but we're gonna talk about that later. <laughs> right. So then we have... What is that? We're only at five suspects, <laughs> and I'm already like, that's a lot. That's a lot. So then we have a friend of a friend and then his mother. The Allertons! We're introduced to Joanne with Lynette. I did not like her from the beginning. I was like, she's fake. Just everything she said, I was like, Joanne. But I kind of appreciated the honesty. I did appreciate the honesty, but I feel like she'd be one of those people who's like, I'm honest even if it hurts your feelings. Oh, absolutely. No, you're just a... (gasps) But... As Lizzie and I have discussed in the past, I prefer if you're going to be super mean to say it to the face. This is true. Lizzie, she doesn't like confrontation, so she'd prefer to hear that you're talking behind her back, but I would prefer you to say stupid things to my face. (laughs) The audacity of people sometimes is really entertaining. And so I feel like there's an entertainment value. Yeah, sometimes you're just like, did you really? But I'm also a very self-assured person. If somebody said something super mean to me, I'm like, wow, you're just a terrible person. Right depending on what they said. I'm sure there are certain things that someone could just be like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, that was mean. <laughs> Maybe it's the friend group we grew up with. I'm like so thick-skinned now. Everyone was very forward. This is true. So thick-skinned. It served us well. I was sad that Joanne wasn't a character. That was so interesting. I know. I thought she was going to be so built up and then we just forgot about her. And then no, it was the cousin and his mom and their weird relationship. Right. Their weird codependency. Is that codependency? Or is this like Freud's fever dream? No. Once again, I say Freud's fever dream. Freud would have a field day. It's to emotional incest levels. Yeah. Because she straight up says she feels jealous of his romantic partners. They're going to take my son from me. That's weird. And not in, oh, my baby boy's growing up and I'm not the most important. Like legitimately, it was to a level. It was concerning. Yeah, I also was really concerned. At first, I was like, are Tim and Joanna going to be married? And I was like, 
please tell me that's not a thing. I mean, it probably was a thing. It was a thing. Cousins was very common. I was thoroughly concerned and it didn't happen. And I was like, oh, good. But it did crack me up when, uh, I don't know if Miss Allerton or Agatha described Joanna's handwriting as an inebriated spider. <laughs> that gave me a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like that. Very descriptive. I sat there for a good 30 seconds. And I was like, what would that even look like? Oh, I immediately, I was like, I see it. I see a lot of handwriting, though, in my job. Oh, no, I was actually thinking about an inebriated spider. I wasn't thinking about the handwriting. Oh, okay. <laughs> that poor spider. I immediately conjured images. I was like, I can see it. Anyway, yeah, it is friend of a friend situation, which is okay. It works out, but I was sad. And then you just have these random Americans. <laughs> yeah, like, why are they here? This family that don't know Lynette. Well, they did know them. Didn't. Someone's dad was done dirty, but it was all in the past. Yeah, you come to find out they did know him. But it's this random family of Miss Van Schuyler, who's this old hag and a terrible woman, and I hate her. She was so mean. And she brings along her nurse because she's not a hypochondriac, but she thinks everything's way worse than it is. She's just really old. Yeah. How old's the nurse? Because I imagine some lady in her 40s or 50s. I kind of imagined mid-30s because it was enough that she was assured of herself. Okay. So I imagined her in her mid-30s. Okay, that makes sense. Because then they said stuff later that made it sound like she was younger than I was imagining. Yeah, just the way they say Miss Bowers specifically, like it's an honorific title, but they say Cornelia. And so it made me feel like Cornelia was younger. Yeah, it felt like it was very childish. Yeah. Probably late teens. I was thinking either late, wait, I might have it written down. It might have said. I feel like the only age that was specified was Lynette's because they were all like, she's not even of age yet. She hasn't turned 21. Yeah. So Lynette is 20. Joanna's 27. Ooh. Let's see who else do they name. Ah, how old's Jack? I don't know. I'm assuming 20. Yeah, if they've known each other. Mrs. Allerton is in her 50s. They made her sound like such an old lady. I guess for back then, 50s is old though. Yeah. No, they do not specify any other ages. So let me see. They just said she's big, she's clumsy, she has dog eyes. But I'm assuming she's a younger relation. I'd say 18 to 20s. I was like, Agatha just really had it out for her. I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like she had a real soft spot. I feel like in that description, she was like big and clumsy. Is she tall and just really gangly? I actually thought she was probably heavier and wasn't very graceful. Yeah, I was like, she could be tall and really uncoordinated. Yeah. Or she could just be heavier set. Yeah, I think it was just to further signify that she isn't classy. But the arc that she gives her, I think Agatha had a real soft spot for this character. I loved it so much. I really hope it's in the movie. I think that was my favorite part of the book. She has some really good stuff, which we will get to. I love her. Give us a whole book about her, please. I did like her a lot. So that's all three of them. And then we have, I just called them the gloomy and the drunk. <laughs> Right? Random. Mrs. Otterborn, who is a novelist who is obsessed with sex to the level she's one of those people that brings it up in casual conversation. She's like, what's the problem with it? And I'm like, I'm very chill about it. I don't care. But the way she was bringing it up, it was everything was sensationalized and it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Once again, I say Freud would have a field day with these people. Oh my gosh. And that's basically what she was. When she was giving her theories, she was like, oh, it was Jackie, but blah, 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 blah. And then she couldn't think of anything else. And then she decided it was the nurse because she had sexual repressed desires and seeing a newlywed couple made her angry because sexual suppression. And so she killed Lynette. And I was just like, yeah. And then in the end, her, what even was her downfall? Her nosiness? Yeah. If she didn't have to spin a tail, if she had just walked in the room. So I guess that's pride. She's absolutely pride. And so then her daughter is super unhappy because she's secretly an alcoholic. I felt bad for her. I felt so bad for Rosalie. You had to deal with a lot, girly. Yes. So Rosalie is just dealing with her mother and she's secretly a drunk and just kind of a terrible person, honestly. I disliked her more than a lot of other people. A little part of me until what happened happens was hoping she was the murderer. Yeah. It was like her. 
That's why she's being all up in the case. Yeah. She needed the publicity or something. Because she claims she's this amazing author. But then you come to find out no one's buying her books anymore. Because everyone's over it. Yeah, it was sensational. And then it wasn't because everyone got tired of it. And it was just the same thing over and over. And then we have a bunch of randoms. So we have Rochetti, who is apparently an Italian archaeologist. Besner, who's this random German doctor. I feel like he was very sassy. Yes. He was great. He felt very German. He did. I don't know any German people, but yes. <laughs> then we have Ferguson, who's this far, far left dude who's like, only the working class matter and we should kill everyone else. That level, far left. You're not even the working class, bro. Oh my gosh. I didn't like him. We'll get to him. We'll get to him and my every single problem. And then we have Colonel Race, who was in another book and he shows up halfway through this book and I'm like the more the merrier right why not right just throw him in just add some spice and he's basically just Perot's assistant because I feel like in most books he picks an assistant in the beginning he had an assistant and then stuff but he finally shows up and he's like hey by the way I'm searching for a serial killer we have very specific instructions to follow about him which I'm not gonna tell you at any point. You'd think you'd at least tell the one detective. He's like, hey, Perot, you should help me. And then every once in a while, he'll be like, nope, that's not our person. They wouldn't run in the same circles as Lynette. We have very specific intel. Then how do you not know who it is? Hmm? Tell us what the intel is. Come on. He didn't have any intel. He was just making it up as he went. Until all of a sudden there was intel at the end. Yes. I feel like the main suspects were the maid. Pennington, who is the sketchy financial dude. Fanthrop, kind of. Sort of. Which is lawyer's nephew. He just pops up just enough. Yeah, we were like, this is weird. I had Mrs. Otterborn because I hated her. I didn't. I just thought she was too nosy for her own good. And kind of Ferguson. Because mm. he's always like, kill them. Yeah. Yeah, woo! You know? Yeah. He's a little extra about it. I was like, okay, it would make sense if it was Simon and Jackie, but clearly they couldn't do it. So then I was like, who else would have done it? <laughs> yeah. So we continue on and whatever. Oh, and by the way, at some point there was an attempt at Lynette's life. She was sitting down and then a boulder started rolling through and Simon saved her life. Right. Simon, why wouldn't you just let that kill her? I know! I thought about that afterwards! That would have made your life so much easier easier, dude. You would have gotten what you want. Spoiler tags at the beginning, so we can talk about whatever. Literally would have been perfect. He doesn't really have the brains, so... That would have been perfect. Yeah, just let the boulder squish her. You get your money, you get the girl. You didn't actually kill her. It would be obvious proof that you didn't do it. Yeah. Gah. Part of me thinks he felt bad about what was gonna happen, so he was trying to save her. No, he didn't feel bad. It became very clear at the end where Jaggy was like, no, he didn't feel bad. That's true. But that's the one thing. That's the one point I'm like, bruh. Yeah. They probably would eventually have figured out it was Pennington anyway. That was dumb. That was dumb on his part. And it wouldn't have been your fault. Gah. You could have been so rich. I really felt bad for Windlesham. The guy that was supposed to marry her who really liked her. The guy that proposed to her and she was like, I can think about it. And then gets married to this other random dude. Let me go marry this poor dude. Okay. I felt bad for him. Yeah. He could do better though. At this point, we have the jewelry thief. So the pearl necklace is missing. We have a serial killer on board and someone has killed Lynette. Are any of them related? Question mark. We will find out, but that's where we are. Then the maid turns up dead. So it's not her. And they find a piece of money in her hand, which how tightly was this person holding on to the money after being stabbed? Right? She's like, I got it. Yeah, I don't know. Dang, girl, you got some grip strength. She really wanted that money. What I don't understand is she was counting the money. So how tightly could you have been holding it? Anyway, she just kept dropping it. So she got annoyed and was just holding it really hard. I guess. But she's holding a little bit of money. And so they're like, <gasps> she was blackmailing the, the killer. And then the killer killed her because, duh. I never get people that blackmail murderers. Right? They've already killed one person. What makes them think they're not going to just kill you? You have made yourself an object. 
you can blackmail people for a lot of things. That was dumb. <laughs> that was really dumb. Yeah, that was on you. Oh my gosh. And so they're like, well, what does that mean for this? And so they go around and they've interviewed all these people and Perot's slowly putting it together and whatever. And then there's, of course, things that don't make sense. Like they find the gun overboard and he has this theory about the pearls. He's like, it doesn't make sense. The pearls are missing. And so there's all this stuff. The splash everyone heard that was kind of loud. Yeah. And why no one heard the gunshot. And then the fact that Miss Van Schuler, or whatever, is a kleptomaniac. I, okay, okay. Okay, I didn't like her. The nurse coming into Perot when they're like, we're gonna search the ship for pearls. And she comes in like, so let me explain something before you eventually find it. She a kleptomaniac. The tea is hot. That satisfies me. Because everyone kind of has a secret, sort of. That satisfied me as her secret. Really took this lady down a notch to know that she just randomly steals things, hides them in her socks every day. And the nurse just goes in and takes it and Van Schuyler doesn't even bring it up ever again. The dynamic. We don't talk about this. And then finding out that she's basically deaf and she had been pretending she has such good hearing. It just really brought her down a notch. I was like thank you. It really did. That was satisfying. But then Hercule is playing with it and he's like but they're fake. So there is somebody who still has the real pearls somewhere. At this point I knew it was Tim. I had no guess. I knew it was Tim. Honestly I was very surprised but I'm all also the worst about reading into subplots. So I was thoroughly shocked. <laughs> well, I was suspicious of Tim and Joanna's relationship from the beginning. Yeah, I was like, this is kind of weird, but that was all I thought. Because she made a big deal about being like, people who are poor are useless, and if you're poor, it's your fault. But then she goes out of her way to constantly write this relation of hers that is poor? True. That was suspicious. And he was worried that lady lost her ruby ring or something. Yeah, and then there was a point where Mrs. Allerton was like, oh, Tim, you were there when that one woman's diamond necklace was stolen. He's like, no, I was there when it was found out to be paste. And I was like, you. You're very specific. That is your modus operandi. This is what you do. It just made sense because the only reason Joanna would talk to him is if he had a use for her. Yeah. And then there was something weird that he wouldn't let his mom read the letters. That was suspicious because they have a really creepy relationship. Yeah, you know it bugged the heck out of her. And I was just like, they're jewel thieves. Because there was even a point where she's like, oh, will you let me wear the necklace tonight? And Lynette was like, yeah, I'll let you wear that. She gets drawings she needs and everything. My husband was one step ahead of me because he knew that the pearls were hidden in the rosary. I was also very surprised. That's very smart, though. That is a very smart hiding spot. Well, I was surprised. What ends up happening is Tim has this really big rosary and Perot is like, oh, it unscrews and the pearls are inside of them. He thought that the pearls were painted kind of a brown color or something. He didn't think they were in it. But as soon as they mentioned the rosary, he's like, that's where they are. Yeah, and it makes sense because she specifically mentioned the rosary when they go in to search his room. And they're devout Catholics, but he drinks. He drinks. I can't remember what. He doesn't drink wine. He drink drinks. And so that's suspicious. Why do you have such a big rosary in your room? And Perot makes a big deal about it, and I was trying to figure it out for a while. And he was like, it makes sense because the mother drinks water and he drinks, I think, whiskey. That sounds right. After when he brought the rosary thing up, I was like, that was the clue. That makes sense. So that's the jewels. And then to just completely wrap up the subplot. Rosalie's mom gets murdered at one point just to get that out of the way. How does no one notice the freaking curtain moving? I know! I was like, this is suspicious! And then it was like, boop! I know you're on a river and it may be windy, but you're in this whole thing talking about someone getting murdered. It was so crazy! How is Perot not like, oh, the curtain's moving? It's just she gets shot and everyone's like, what? I know, and then there's this delay and whatever. We'll get to that in a second. But she dies, so Rosalie's upset, of course, because she cared about her her mom, but also it's kind of nice because now the mom's gone. A little relieved. Yeah. And Perot goes out of his way and he's like, you know what I'm going to do for you now? He might be a jewel thief, but he's going to make a great husband. I know. Let's just cover this up. Give me the necklace back. Matchmaking. But Miss Allerton also really liked her. She was the one person she wasn't jealous of. Anyway, I have thoughts. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> so yeah, he's like, give me the necklace 
Nicholas back. Here's the fake one. Throw it in the Nile. We're just not going to mention. It's all going to be covered up. We're just not going to mention this. Just maybe let your cousin know that we're onto her so she should find a different way to make money. Yeah. And him and Race are like, he's going to straighten out. He's getting married. He's going to straighten out. Yeah, because he's like, I felt so bad. It was such a bad way to make money. At least he feels bad. You know, Joanna was probably just like, God dang it. I know. That was one piece of information that the reader didn't have, which he gives a lot of other hints, so I'm not mad about it. But he's straight up like, Joanna, I have talked to somebody at Scottish Yard, and she has been tagged for being part of a jewel theft ring, and was like, oh. Well, yeah, that's some insider information. <laughs> I guess all the people that they've stolen from, not gonna mention that ever again. Forget the victims. She needs to get married. Right. I don't know. I really don't know. Okay, I guess. <laughs> and he won't sell out his cousin either. And so it's not like, I'll help you catch her. Nope. Just gonna let him walk because marriage. Bro, it's just like, this is my vacation. I'm just gonna let someone get away. He even said at one point, if it's not murder, we're covering up. He tells Coraline that because Coraline's freaking out that the tabloids will hear that her aunt is a kleptomaniac. Oh, yeah. And he's like, if it's not murder, we're covering it up. I just want to do as little paperwork as possible. This was supposed to be a vacation. And then all of you ruined it. All of you. Always. And then the serial killer ends up being Rachetti, which I called that too. But he was kind of standoffish looking back. The reason I called it was there's this suspicious moment where Rachetti has a telegram for himself. And Lynette, whose maiden name was Ridgeway, sees it and thinks, oh my goodness, that's for me. And she opens it and she starts reading it and she's like, it's just vegetables. What does this have to do with potatoes and cabbages? And then Rachetti comes up and is like all mad about it. And I'm just like, why would an... Italian archaeologist. These are just vegetables. What is this? Get a telegram, an expensive telegram. Yeah. Sent to him from his sister about cabbages and potatoes. He's an aspiring chef, eh? It's a side hustle. I immediately thought, that's a code. And he comes out, he's like, yeah, this means hand grenades and something about arms. Something other shooty thingies. Yeah. Okay, so he's an international arms dealer. That doesn't mean he's a serial killer. Yeah. But according to this very specific intel that Race has, it does. Does mean Rachetti is a serial killer. Okay, Race. And Perot even points out, he's like, this dude's only personality trait is that he's an archaeologist. Yeah. That's fair. That's why he's an archaeologist is he really just buries everyone he kills out there. It doesn't go into specifics about it, but a part of me was like, I'm here for the tea, guys. I want to know about the murders. That's what I'm here for. Give it to me. Yeah. I was a little disappointed we didn't get to know. He should have gotten his own book, too. A little spinoff series. It was very weird that he was a side character. He could have had his own book. He could have had his own book. Anyway, Perot chasing a serial killer sounds very interesting to me. It does. There probably is one. I only have 39 more to go. I think I have like 47. Wait, how many Agatha Christie? Oh, honey. Oh, boy. There are 40 Hercule Perots alone. Okay, I was only talking about Hercule Perot books. Okay, I have 39 left. Because then she has another detective named Miss Marple. That's the one my mom's. She has her own slew of books. She's a fun character. And then she has a whole ton of singles and short stories. And then there was none is the single. It's a self-contained book. It's really good. But she was a prolific writer. Yeah. It's kind of insane. So we get to the end. And at this point, I kept telling my husband, and he doesn't let me count it because every time I actually listed the suspects, I didn't include it. But I kept turning to him. I was like, I swear to gosh, if it's Simon and Jackie working together. I didn't call the working together, but... I was like, it has to be Jackie. But then I was like, she wouldn't make it that obvious. She's not that stupid. She wouldn't be making such a big deal out of it to not do it. She's a woman of her word. Be that good word or bad word. She's going to follow through. I just knew, because Agatha Christie, I knew there was a twist. It wouldn't have been satisfying if it had just been Jackie. Yeah. That's why I was like, I swear to goodness if they're working together. I swear to goodness if they had planned this out and Simon had married her. And I didn't think Simon had murdered Lynette, that surprised me. But I did think maybe Jackie did it and murdered her and they were just working together and then they created this alibi.
alibi scene together. Anyway, so Simon and Jackie were working together. <laughs> Jackie was clearly the brains of the operation. Oh my goodness, yes. But when she shot Simon, she didn't really shoot Simon. She shot, what, a chair or a table leg or something? Yeah, I think she shot the table. Which makes sense, because she's a good shot. Yeah. So the scene, when we see it, is through Coraline's perspective. She sees the gun go off, and then Simon go down, and then red stuff. The red stuff happens, and then the gun gets dropped and kicked. Specifically under, I think it's a chair. It's a chair. Because then Cornelia and what's his Fanthrop? Fanthrop? Fanthrop. Yeah. Go back in, and you're like, can't find it. Comes back later and is trying to find it, and he can't find it. And so the murder weapon is mysterious. So Hercule thinks about it. Some of the weird things that have been coming up is there's this silk, not a robe. I can't remember what it's Scarf thing? And she called it something. I couldn't imagine it. Stole. It's a stole. Yeah. Sorry, I looked up my I Love Lucy picture. I'm like, mink stole. So like a scarf. No. So a stole is like a jacket. Okay. I was imagining like what you get at graduation. No, nothing like that. That's the stole I had in my brain. No, it's like a full on like you know, fur coats, mm-hmm. those are kind of stoles. Ah, okay. So it's a very big piece of clothing. And so that goes missing at some point. How did they manage to hide that? Considering that it was silk, it was probably very lightweight. Yeah. And I'm betting Jackie stole it. Probably. She seems better at things. Yeah, she seems better at being able to like, sneak in and take it. And she mentioned it was just on her chair. So I'm imagining she's sitting in a chair and it's just like on the back of the chair. And she just, because I do that at work with my jacket. I get I put it on the back of my chair. Yeah, you just throw it off. And if she has bad hearing, she probably just walked up behind her and took it and walked away. She could have. And it could have been very graceful and whatever. Because it's happened sometime during the afternoon. So the weird thing is there's this mink stole. They find the murder weapon in the Nile. And it's wrapped with a handkerchief that has some pinkish on it and this silk stole. It's all wrapped up. It's all wet. And when they get it, they see that the stole has been shot through. Yeah. And they're like, well, that doesn't make sense because a silk stole is not a silencer. They're not going to help at all. And then they have a momentary sexist moment where they're like, well, clearly it was a woman because a man would understand how guns work, even though Jackie is way better at guns. And there are several men on this boat that don't understand guns cool. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I also think it's funny because Hercule's like, ah, oh, it's clearly a woman when he had to ask race. <laughs> he had to ask, but he's like, ah, oh, clearly a woman reading detective novels. Yeah. Oh, Hercule. Anyway, he makes me laugh because in the movies, I will say they make him a lot more lovable and he is very lovable, but he is so pretentious and full of himself. If you translate some of the things he says in French, if he says something in French, French, it usually means he's insulting somebody. Just straight up. Yeah, I had to translate it. It's so funny. Okay, sir. <laughs> and they're like, what did you say? He's like, oh, nothing. Dude. But he's very lovable in his own way. And I think it's overly complicated a personality to put in a movie. And so they just make him much more lovable. Yeah, it makes people want to watch the movies. Yeah. And like I said, he is very lovable. But he has his flaws. <laughs> he does. But they're usually really entertaining and telling someone off. So it's fine. He progresses the plot along, and so you forgive him. And it's also fun listening to him tell people off. I realize very quickly you have to translate anything he says, because it's probably very sassy. He's so sassy. He really is. He tries to play the English gentleman or whatever, but he's so sassy. Can't fool us. Belgians. Um, Because <laughs> that was the one thing. My husband, he's like, he's French. I'm like, he's Belgian. He speaks French. He's Belgian. It's different. Yep. That's very insulting, sir. Bro would have some words for you called him French. I think so. I think people have called him French in the past and he's been like, I'm Belgian. Thanks. Interesting. Anyway, you come to find out Simon faked it by using red... Fingernail polish or something? I think it was ink. Well, she always had red nails. I think it was her nail polish. I think it was ink. I feel like ink got tossed around a lot, but then something about nail polish was mentioned. I think he put the ink in the nail polish. Ah. Percule said it smelled weird. I think it was ink because if you put a drop of ink on something, like a piece of paper, it's going to soak through. But if you put a drop of nail polish, it doesn't soak through as well. 
well? It's not going to, yeah. And so he needed it to be like, boom, immediate. So I think he used ink and pretended. So then while all this hubbub was happening and he's like, go get the doctor and go take Jackie to the nurse and take care of her and whatever. Because she makes this huge scene and is like, I'm gonna game over, over and over again. So they're very concerned about her. I can't believe I did it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I feel so bad. Yeah. So everyone's distracted by her. Yeah. And so they're rushing around trying to do all the things. And so in that time, apparently, Simon runs over and shoots... Lynette. Sneaky side. Without his shoes on. He takes them off so no one can hear him. He is a runner. He's a track star because dang. I'm not sure why some people didn't hear the gunshot still. Maybe there was just so much chaos. There's people yelling and stuff maybe. I think there's so much going on. I feel like they talk about the splash overboard maybe happened at the same time with Rosalie chucking all her mom's alcohol overboard might have happened at the same time as the gunshot. Because you figure Bessner was out of his cabin which was near Lynette. Miss Van Schuel Schuler, whatever. Old lady was deaf as a doorknob. Yeah, even though she claimed to be able to hear all this stuff. Yeah. Perot was drugged. Seriously? There's this moment where Perot's like, I slept so well. I think I was drugged. And he doesn't mention it again. I knew he was drugged the moment they were describing that he was way more tired than usual and felt like hazy and out of it. I was like, he's been drugged. But he says it like a one-off line. And I took it so seriously the entire time. I was like, they have drugged you. And I kind of wondered if they had drugged Lynette and that's why she didn't wake up. Yeah, because it says she was just sleeping so peacefully and she went to bed early. Yeah, she went to bed before Simon did. So I wonder if Lynette was drugged. That would make sense. Yeah. And so I took it very seriously, but Hercule never brought that up again until the very end. And so a part of me was like, have you been drugged before? Is this a 1920s expression? I slept so well, I must have been drugged. But you don't notice they are all just popping melatonin pills back then. I took it so seriously. There's somebody drugging people. It made me think it was premeditated because up until that point, they were like, oh, it's an opportunity thing. I was like, they drugged you. No, it was premeditated. You were drugged. No one's gonna just, he looks like he needs a good night's sleep. Let me just do a little bit of some drugs. Melatonin. Anyway, I took that very seriously. Yeah. And I thought he didn't take it seriously until the end. He's like, haha, and you had the forethought to drug me. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Why was this not brought up? Anyway, that beside the point. <laughs> So Simon shoots her and then he runs back to wherever the cards room or wherever they were before. I can't remember. I think there was a bar. The dining room? So I remember Jackie was getting drunk and Cornelia was just super uncomfortable because she's like, I just want to leave. And Jackie was like, no, you have to stay. And she's like, but I just went, no, you have to stay. And then she shoots him and she goes, I really just wanted to leave. I just wanted to go. Although I really love the line where Fenthrop feigns tiredness and walks off and then the book like goes out of his way. And it was like, and that was very British of him. <laughs> I know. It's like she was dragging off. It was. Every bad characteristic. That was just very British of them. <laughs> okay. I liked it because it was the way he was trying to leave and avoid the conflict, but without making it look like he was avoiding the conflict. Conflict. Oh, I'm tired. And no one was convinced. <laughs> it was just, that was very British. Not much has changed for introverts in a hundred years. Oh my gosh. It was very funny. I'm too American. <laughs> I would have stayed. I'm nosy. I read mystery novels for a hobby. I am a nosy person. Part of me is I'm tired, but part of me is also too nosy for my own good. I would probably be killed in a murder novel. So he runs back to the room. He sits down. He uses the silk stole to wrap around the gun and shoot himself in the leg. So it's actually happened. And so the reason he did that was to shelter the gun residue. Because if you shoot somebody at point blank, there's going to be black residue from the gun exploding. And so that's why it happened. And so he wrapped it up and threw it off because he had to because up to this point it was like oh there's a J written on the wall in her blood which was so extra he's so dramatic that was so dumb she's dead of course she didn't write that yeah anyway and so it's like oh they're framing Jackie or whatever and so Hercule's like I bet we're gonna find the gun in Jackie's cabin and then they end up finding the gun thrown overboard and he's like that doesn't make sense but then they also point out she had a set so it was two guns oh yeah they find out super later there's a slight clue because they're like oh Oh, Rosalie had a gun in her purse when they were searching everyone. Yeah, but then Jackie Whitley just was like, boop, 
me to strap it in. Yeah, and then Rosalie was being mad. And she's like, I don't have a gun. And it was like, you could have a gun. I didn't realize that was a hint that Jackie had a second pistol. I thought Rosalie had a similar gun. And so her mom threw it overboard trying to protect her, but no. Or the old lady just in a reverse kleptomaniac and just gave someone something. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I didn't get that hint until the very end. And they were like, yeah. I didn't either until they pointed out. So Simon threw the gun overboard and stuff because he had to because he couldn't have it on him. And they even replaced one of the bullet caps. Yeah, to make it look like it was only done once. This screams premeditation. Or twice because they shot Simon and then shot Lynette. So twice instead of three times. Then, of course, the bribery with the maid. And the maid in her interview with Hercule was in with Simon and was hinting super hard at it. Hinting so hard that she knew. And then Perot and them left. I think Simon sent them away or something. And then, of course, she blackmails him. Yes. And then Simon's like, Hercule, I need to talk to Jackie. I need to know she's okay. Da 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 And that's where the whole thing where he was like, oh, the sun is gone and the moon can show again or something. So that's when she tells Jackie, he's like, hey, she's blackmailing us. And Jackie's like, well, I guess I gotta go murder somebody. But yeah, that was another clue to me that they were working together. That was very poetic for him. Because Jackie purposely says to Hercule, oh, I was moon. I was beautiful. I was wonderful. But then Lynette was like the sun and she came out of nowhere and you can't love the moon when the sun is out, which isn't actually true. You can actually see the moon when the sun is out and it's still kind of pretty. And the sun's the reason you can see the moon to begin with. Yeah. Someone didn't take an astronomy class. (laughs) Anyway, not the point. But then later Simon repeats it and he's like, oh, she just doesn't understand. Lynette's like the sun and Jackie was like the moon and Hercule was like, interesting. They both understood the situation so well. I was like, interesting of all of the phrases. He could have just been like, Lynette's better. You know, Lynette has things Jackie doesn't. But no, specifically, sun in the moon. And then Hercule made a big deal when Lynette died, being like, well, the sun is gone. And at the time, I didn't think they had done it. I felt bad at the point. I was like, Jackie, there's going to be another sun. It won't be like Lynette. Heck, goodness. But there's always another sun. It's not hard to overshadow you, Jackie. I'm sorry. She's awesome. And I mean, terrible. But up until this point, she's pretty awesome and self-sufficient and a firebrand. There's always another sun. Honey, there's always another sun. They just have to choose to see the moon instead. And then Mrs. Otterborn is like, I must see the detective screaming at everyone. Opens her big mouth. If she had literally just walked in the room and closed the door behind her and been like, hey, I saw blank go in this room. She'd be alive, first of all, and they would have the information. But no, she made a big dramatic production about leaving the one room and screaming how she needs the detective. She's seen something. She knows something. Slash Slashes the door open. Slide again. Slashes my adverb here, but slashes the door open and sits down and begins her dramatic tale. And I kind of like how Agatha gives you a viewpoint from her mind where she's like, I'm going to be the key witness. People are going to buy my book. I can write. Da-da-da-da. Yeah, it's going to like make her famous again. Yeah, I liked that. And then, no, straight up murders her right in front of everybody. Yep, pride was her downfall. That was insane because normally she doesn't do that, especially something that violent. Usually, like, you walk upon the scene or something. Yeah. Like, it's like Lynette thing where it happened and then Hercule comes in then later and pieces it together. You don't normally see it. Heck. Yeah. That was intense. It was. It really was. I was like, oh, okay then. And there's a hint that it's gonna happen because early in the book, Race is like, I hate that woman. I wish she had been the one murdered. And Hercule makes his off-color comment. He's like, well, it could still happen. Say la vie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you didn't notice that. I was like, they really just don't like her. <laughs> Dang. I felt bad because I laughed. I didn't like her either. And then you come to find out just how terrible she is to Rosalie. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, it worked out. Like I said, I wanted her to be the murderer, but she got murdered instead. Either way. Consequence didn't quite equal the crime here. Yeah. Rosalie's gonna get her happy ending, I guess. With her husband and weird mother-in-law. I noticed that. That she likes the one person that she feels is a daughter to her and she could also control. She was constantly saying, oh, she just needs a mother figure. Mm, interesting. Anyway.
way, despite my dislike for Mrs. Allerton. So they get to the end of whatever. They're going to get Simon to the hospital because he's been shot in the leg and they're going to get an x-ray and get the bullet out because up until this point, doctor and nurse have been doing their best. They get there. They get the serial killer first. The serial killer gets caught because he's been slipping the police up until then and whatnot. So he gets caught. So then they take Simon off and then they take Jackie off. I was not expecting what happened. And you're just watching the scene play out, right? And then Jackie takes out her gun after making a full confession because of what ended up happening. There wasn't a lot of evidence, but Hercule basically went to Simon and was like, hey, I know you did it. And then Simon's like, he caved real quick. And then Jackie fills in all the details for the reader. Simon's just a really greedy dude and she just loved him a lot and gets this job and then Lynette's actively pursuing Simon. So she straight up did that. Yeah, which is dirty. Like, girl. So Simon hatches this great idea because he only has eyes for Jackie and then he gets this evil, wicked idea. He's like, oh, how wonderful would it be if I married her and then she died. And then this dude starts actively planning it like, I'm gonna murder her. And then Jackie's like, I had to step in because he's too stupid to get away with it, basically. Yeah. And she's right. His improvise was dumb. Yeah. And so they're getting off the boat and then she just pulls out the second pistol and shoots Simon and then shoots herself. And Pro's like, I totally knew she had a second one. I know, Mrs. Ellerton is like, you knew that, didn't you? You wanted her to go out this way. Less work for him. He, like, shrug, I guess. That was basically his answer. It was his vacation, so the least amount of work possible is good. Perot? Oh my goodness. We're gonna talk about his quote-unquote soft heart. That's how that ends. The serial killer went to jail. One of the serial killers. We made it. All 300-something pages. It wasn't just a trip to Egypt. Races guy gets to go to jail, but nobody else. <laughs> Tim gets to get married. Yeah. So really the only good plot was Cornelia and the doctor. <laughs> I don't know. But it felt like a waste in a way because I'm like, Lynette died for nothing because you didn't do it. Yeah. It all felt like such a waste of human life. It really did. And then that whole thing about loving and being loved. Simon was so selfish. Jackie was too. I don't think they loved each other. I think they loved the idea of each other. I actively believe Hercule that she loved him too much and not in a real way, like a true love. She loved the idea of it. Like an obsession. Yeah. That was literally the center of her world. And so like parents who can see their child do something terrible and then cover it up. Like my child would never. Yeah. That's the same thing that she did. That very toxic love. Oh, that makes sense. It's almost like Simon didn't know what to do about it. So he just went along with it. But also didn't mind because he liked being the center of someone's world. Well, he didn't love her enough not to drag her into this. And then she didn't have true love for him because true love love would have been like, I have to let you face your consequences. I'm not gonna let you kill my friend. Yeah, and I'm not gonna marry your best friend. It wasn't right, and so it just all felt like a waste. Because sometimes you get to the end of these mysteries and it's satisfactory. The guy's been caught. The person that was murdered was a jerk anyway. But this actively, it felt like a waste. It was like, that's actually depressing. Yeah, it was. It was a little sad. I want to know why they picked this one for a movie. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of really interesting interesting stuff there. It'll be interesting to see how they frame it. Yeah. My predictions. They're gonna have a lot more interactions between characters for a good part of the movie. Yeah, I think so. I'm thinking the jewelry theft either is gonna be dropped or is gonna happen earlier. Yeah. It depends on how much they want to go into it. Yeah, I think they're gonna condense characters or completely get rid of them because there's also a suspect like Fleetwood, this random guy that works on the boat who is engaged to Lynette's maid. Oh yeah, he was another suspect. But he was married to someone else in Egypt and so technically he was a bigamist and so Lynette told the maid and the maid got upset and broke up with him. And so he had a whatever. Let's see, the Otterborns are in it. Van, what's your face is in it. The doctor, obviously, I'm looking at the cast list. I think Ferguson's gonna be combined with somebody. Yeah. If they have Ferguson at all, he's gonna 
be combined with somebody else. They may or may not drop the serial killer plot because it didn't play that big a role in things. I don't see Rashetti. Who's Euphemia? No clue. Okay. They may have combined characters and given them a different name. Yeah. Because there's so much more they need to do to this book to make it movie ready than Murder on the Orient Express where they can basically play it as is, add a couple dramatic scenes, and it'd be fine. Yeah. Why this book of all of them? Yeah, I wonder what they saw in it. Out of all the other 39 books they could have chosen. There are a couple people in here listed as just passenger. Maybe they're just extras. Yeah, that's how they got rid of the other characters. They're like, just passengers. Yeah, we barely talked about Ferguson because he's stupid and I wish he hadn't been in the book at all. That's fine. We don't have to talk about him. He annoyed me. Just the worst throughout the entire book. Because he's like, oh, I care about the working people. But then the maid gets murdered and he doesn't care about her. And I'm like, hmm. Because he's rich. And Perel's like, he's not poor. He's actually a rich person in disguise. He's a lord or something. And why is he there? Why was he there? I feel like Agatha wrote him in and then was like, never mind. And he asks Cornelia to marry him. And she's like... And I was so worried the aunt was going to find out he was this rich lord and she would have to buckle. But she's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm going to marry this doctor. He makes me happy. I'm going to become a nurse. I'm going to be awesome. He treats me like a human. They were cute. Favorite couple. True. You're this rich lord, claims to care about the people, and you're on a Nile cruise? What are you doing? Yeah, what's your point here, sir? So I feel like he was gonna have something to do with it, and she ended up not flushing his part out. Because it's not like he even understood what he was talking about, because he's like, Egyptian slavery, blah, 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 blah. But the way he described it was not how Egyptian slavery was. It wasn't like the Romans or the Greeks. Yeah. He didn't know what he was talking about. I don't know why he was there. I really don't. And then he proposed to Coraline and she's like I hate you and she's like I have I not made this clear enough and he's like but I love you no he doesn't and he's like I don't believe in marriage and I don't like women but let's get married but will you marry me yeah great proposal what a way to hook him what a catch so I could see how the far left ideology could be interesting but it wasn't flushed out I feel like no like I said I couldn't imagine him actually being a character in the movie no I think people would just get mad about him yeah so I think if he's there, he's going to be combined with somebody else. Like his ideology is going to be there. Yeah. But they might also not do it because they might be like, let's avoid political extremists. Yeah. They alienate a lot of people. He's still rich. That's what got me. It's really interesting. He's pretending to be working class, but not well because he still owns rich things. Everything he owns is just slightly dirty. It's really interesting that you care so much about the working class, but you're still rich. Yeah, cared so much. Why don't you give them your money? I don't know what lecture you missed in communism. You missed it. You missed one. You missed a little bit there, bud. I just felt like a teenage boy trying to be edgelord. Yeah, I feel like he was trying to rebel against his parents. Yeah, badly. Why was he there? His parents got sick too. <laughs> just go to the Nile for a little bit, son. Go on vacation. It's fine. That's the other thing. He still has his title. He's using another name. He still has his title. He has not renounced his position or his money or anything. He just makes me mad. Yeah. I just rolled my eyes whenever he showed up. Him again. That just made me so mad. You're not even good enough to be interesting. Yeah. The least you could have done was be an interesting character, but no. You're just there. You just wasted my time. So that's my complaint about Ferguson. But so much happens in 153 pages. Truly. All of that happens and I'm just like, I had to read Hercule's Vacation. It felt like when an anime is in the middle of this intense plot and then has the beach episode. Yes. Okay, I guess we're at the beach now. Always. That's always my non sequitur. I'm just like, this just feels like a beach episode. It did. Oh my gosh. And so that's why a part of me feels really bad. I could have introduced you to Agatha Christie much better. It's fine. It's not a bad book. It was a very entertaining read, I will say. I'm not at all saying that it's a bad book or people should avoid it. It's just not beginner friendly. Yeah. Because you don't know who Hercule is. And it makes references to a bunch of other books because this is the 18th book in the series. And you don't understand any of those references. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the references didn't make it or break it, clearly. Yeah. They all just went right over my head. It's a good taste of his character. Next, I'll get you to read and then there was none. Okay. (laughs) I like giving that one to beginners.
listeners. Sounds good. Because I feel like it has all of the isms, but in a very high quality way. So it's a very good show off. That makes sense. Yeah. It's easy to digest. Yeah. Okay. But it's still crazy. Ah, perfect. You get to the end and it's still insane. It's still just like, okay. Yeah. And you're not going to guess who did it. That's the one thing I really like about And Then There Was None is you're not going to get it. Anyway. I thought it was good, even though you're saying this was the best introduction, I guess, since I hadn't read her stuff before. The half of the book. Yeah, I was like, why are we in Egypt for so long? By the time the action started, I was like, oh my gosh, please. Me too. I felt like a sociopath. I was like, all I want is for someone to get murdered. I will never ask for someone to actually die, but please make it happen. Like I read any other genre book. I'm like, if you murder someone, I swear to goodness. But if murder mystery, I'm like, murder someone. Come on. Please, let's go. Happen. But yeah, it was just, I felt very weird. My husband, like I said, made a joke. Agatha Christie really wanted to show us how Perot spends his vacations. And that's what the beginning of this book felt like. She knew he needed a vacation. Oh my gosh. He is the retired detective trope. One question for the author. Mine, we kind of touched on. Why Egypt? Yeah, it's a good question. Where are we in British history? The early 30s. It was post-Wall Street crash. So I think the movie's set in 34. Okay. I can't remember my British history well enough. Oh, well. My world history teacher would be very disappointed. I kind of four in my AP exam. Not for this. We could have gone to a lot of places in Europe and there are other places. Could have gone to America. I don't know. Why Egypt? Did you go? Did you read a book about it? Yeah. Was it something happening in Egypt around this time? Or not happening and that made it attractive? Yeah. That's why everyone wanted to go there. This place still allows us to be here. I want to know, why was everyone so obsessed with how pretty Lynette is? They're always like, she's so pretty and she has such a nice shape and she's rich and she just has everything. Agatha was always like, and she was so beautiful. I understood it the past 10,000 times you said it. She's not going to wake up one day and be ugly. We got it. She's pretty. I agree on the note that it was for 150 pages. Every other page, she was so beautiful. I was like, I understand. Yeah, and there's a lot of ways that she really sets up Lynette's character really well, and I think that adds to the, my feeling at the end of, well, this was a waste. This wasn't a happy ending. But yeah, there are other ways where I'm like, could have murdered her 50 pages ago. You could have. All I'm saying. Rating. So I would give this to Traveling to Egypt out of 10 because that's what we did. Yeah. We went into the temples. We saw the statues. We experienced the resort and the not resort. We even went to the post office. We did go to the post office. I forgot about that. We went to Egypt but I didn't go to Egypt and now I'm sad. Bucket list after everything is over. Oh my gosh, yes. Everyone needs therapy after this out of 10. Oh my gosh. Everyone just had such issues. Honestly, everyone just needs therapy, period. And the only person that's getting it is Coraline's aunt, because apparently Bessner has worked with kleptomaniacs before and helped them. Yeah. Another thing to prove that only Coraline got the happy ending. Everyone needs therapy. Yeah. There's so many really concerning things. Motto for 2022, everyone needs therapy. And that one dude needs a divorce. Oh, yeah. Go hunt her down. Divorce her. This is a wild ride. Yeah. So little happened for so long, and then so much happened in so little. I know. I was like, oh, okay. I feel like the pacing could have been better. Yeah, that is one thing I will say against it. The pacing is really messed up because it has 150 pages of going to places and Lynette doing things and Turkule talking to Jackie three times and, and not much happening and then everything happening. Hopefully the movie's paced a little bit better. It's gonna have to make some significant changes. Yeah. That's why I'm like, you took a book. That's perfect. And then you went with this one. I'm just very interested. I want to see it a lot. I'm excited for it. I'm very excited for it. I liked the director's work in the past, so I'm very excited for it. Would you read again? I think so. Not immediately. I think I'd like to read more of the Perot books, especially the ones leading up to it, so I can maybe catch more of the references again. Yeah. But I think it'd be nice now knowing all the subplots, going back and reading it and being like, oh yeah, it was hinted here and here that this was going to happen, and reading it with that high 
hindsight. I think if I read this book again, because I'm at a solid maybe, because there are definitely ones of hers that I would love to reread again, forward and back a thousand times. But if I were to read it again, I would skim the first half or skip it entirely and get to the second half. Yeah, get to the action. I probably will miss all the very clever four stuff. And so that's why maybe I'll skim it the first time. But after that, I would probably just skip to when Lynette dies. Yeah. Randomly at the beginning of a chapter, Race walks in. So you are right. Lynette is dead. <laughs> well, okay. Transition. Zero to 100 real quick. Thank you for exploring Death on the Nile with us. I'm Sam Reiner. And I'm Hannah Rossell. And we hope to see you and a friend here next time. Escape With Me Book Club is a Lunar Skulk production. Check us out on TikTok or Instagram to keep up to date with us. Lunar underscore S-K-U-L-K.